The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Jesus said, I tell you most solemnly, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold through the gate, but gets in some other way, is a thief and a brigand. The one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the flock. The gatekeeper lets him in. The sheep hear his voice. One by one, he calls his own sheep and leads them out. When he has brought out his flock, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow because they know his voice. They never follow a stranger, but run away from him. They do not recognize the voice of strangers. Jesus told them this parable, but they failed to understand what he meant by telling it to them. So Jesus spoke to them again. I tell you most solemnly, I am the gate of the sheepfold. All others who have come are thieves and brigands, but the sheep took no notice of them. I am the gate. Anyone who enters through me will be safe. He will go freely in and out and be sure of finding pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it to the full. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask you a question. It's typical to our season. Um, Are you getting tired of being wished Happy Easter? I say that because my greeting of Happy Easter is tending to fall more and more flat as the season um, goes on, you know. So be honest. Why would this be the case, that we sort of feel like it's a joke that's run its course? Aha, Father, funny, Happy Easter, sure. No, it's not actually a joke. Uh, We're in the middle of the whole point of our faith. Um, Don't we like resurrection? Don't we like the fact that life has conquered death. This is big stuff. Isn't it a consolation to think, think about this, that Jesus has shared in every essential detail of our lives, birth, growing up, grazing his knees, making and losing friends, working and resting, being misunderstood, suffering, uh, dying and being buried in the ground, All of these are essential things in our pilgrimage of life. Um, In fact, Jesus touches every single reality of ours except sin itself. Like he touches it, but he's not a sinner. Um, That's why I say everything essential, because sin is not essential to humanity. It's the one inessentiality. Isn't it a consolation to think that because Jesus has shared in all of that, we would in fact share in what's exclusively his? That being a filial relationship to the Father. The Father only has one only begotten Son. But by virtue of our adoption into Christ, we now share in what's exclusively the Son's. Or eternal life. Something that is proper only to God. None of us is eternal in their own right. Um, We're finite creatures, but God shares this with us. Easter is in fact the great trading of realities. God sees our mortality and says, give me that and take my immortality. God sees our misery and shame and he says, give me that. And he says, take my goodness and my glory. Catherine of Siena, her feast day was just a few days ago. She talks about how being in God and 
and God being in us is the same as how a fish is in water and water is in the fish. Water is the fish's natural habitat, you know. It's not about deserving the water. It's about it being alive and needing it and enjoying that reality. Being in God is our natural habitat. And Easter makes it profoundly tangible to us. So for all these reasons and more, we have every reason to rejoice that it is in fact Easter. It's not a joke. It's a wonderful reality that we've been given. So we rightly bring back all of our alleluias into the liturgy and we rightly rejoice and wish each other happy Easter. On that note, look, tonight I have a relatively simple message to give. It comes out of all of our readings. It's not, it's not often that a theme runs all the way through every reading, but, but tonight it seems to be the case. It's about the Good Shepherd. Who is this Good Shepherd? Well, think of how they greeted him just a few weeks ago as he neared his passion, and even as he was on the cross. Jesus of Nazareth, this unsuspecting Jewish Nazarene uh, individual who had no apparent clout to his name. God made him Lord and Christ, meaning he put all of creation under his power so that there's not a single thing anywhere that's not ruled by him, and Christ, which means he's anointed with the oil of salvation. He's to be for us the everlasting king that God always intended for his people. And God alluded to this kingship in figures like David and others that went before him. There were many kings that Israel had, but very few of them were good kings. Actually, the vast majority of them were, were wicked, caught up in their own corruption. Many of them were wolves, if you like, or thieves and brigands, sort of disrupting and, and displacing God's people. This shepherd, who is Christ, is present to us still. He's present and acting through the members of the church, which is us. He's speaking even with our voices. And he's calling us and, in fact, the entire world, even all of creation, to enjoy the security of being in his fold. And this means, as we heard in that first reading, repentance and baptism and the receiving of the gifts and the promised inheritance of the Spirit. All of this is part of being in that flock. If any of us has lived even an hour of the Christian life, honestly, we've certainly found pain, unjust, undeserved, uh, unexplainable pain that's part of our journey. We've been struck on the right cheek, and then we've been struck on the left as well. We've carried our burdens twice the necessary distance. We've struggled to love our enemies and to pray for those who maybe still are persecuting us. All of this is part and parcel of the course Christ set us on. The shepherd who goes before us has shown us this is in fact um, a central part of it. We're trying to forgive as he did those who we can assume don't really know what they're doing. Pope St. Gregory the Great, he was commenting on this gospel of the good shepherd and he said, when the shepherd says, I know my sheep, He's really saying, I love my sheep. The highest knowledge is love. Jesus doesn't know us in some abstract, distant form. He knows us like a mother knows her child, like a father knows his child. He knows with a profound, intimate love. Um, and when he says, my sheep listen to my voice, he's really saying, those who love me obey my word. Because who can give us a command to love except those who love us? 
And he finishes by saying, those who do not love the truth, who is Christ, don't know it yet. It's sort of as simple as that. They haven't entered into that knowledge, which is love. The idea of always knowing and following Jesus' voice, though, which is in that scripture, it strikes me as a kind of an irony. Because really, I think if we're honest, all of us know what it is at times to be hardened against those voices which we know love us. Think about that. Sometimes the people who we are closest with are the ones we tend to find most offensive in a given situation. It's a strange, a strange thing of this intimacy of love. We all know what it is to be hardened against voices of love. We all know as well what it is to be deceived. Has anyone fallen for one of those scam texts or emails that have been going around recently? I had one, and, and they're very convincing. They're extremely convincing scams, lies, deceptions. Um, they sort of pull the wool over our eyes to, to mix our metaphors here. Um, Augustine comments on this gospel as well. And he says, sometimes those who are not sheep hear Christ's voice, and he points to Judas and, and others, and vice versa. There are many sheep without the fold, he says, and there are many wolves within. Think about that for a second. This is a kind of mixed bag. It's not like we're the, the cream of the crop of the holiest people on earth. We're, we're just people on our journey, and we've somehow entered into the fold. We've somehow come through the gate. Um, in fact, Augustine even jumps to the defense of the scribes and the Pharisees. He says, they refused to listen to Christ. Perhaps they took him as a thief and a brigand. Perhaps there was a kind of duty that they were exercising, mistaken as it may have been. It's one tiny window of absolution that they have. Thankfully, it's not up to us, really, to decide who are sheep, who are goats, who are wolves. Uh, thank God that's not our job. We entrust that to the great judge who is God. The good shepherd himself knows, and he calls. He continues to call. We know and we can declare this outright. Jesus came for the sake of all. And he even declares it at the outset and throughout his mission, especially those who are most lost, especially those who are most tangled in uh, that which is toxic, which pulls them away from God especially those who most resemble wolves and goats, who, who seem uh, not fitting in this flock. Christ came primarily, we might say, for them. And his voice can change hearts. Think of St. Paul on his way to be a wolf. In a world full of competing voices and divided hearts, that's the world we're in, there are times to put forward convincing arguments. We heard that in Acts, Jeanette was saying. Many convincing arguments won these people to the way of Christ. 3,000 were baptized that day. There are times for us to put forward our convincing arguments. If scammers can convince us, surely we can convince people with the truth as well. There are times to hold each other accountable and to shine a light on the ideas that we're operating out of, the quality of them, whether they're good or they're bad, whether they're of God or they're not of God. But far more convincing than all of this is the love that Christ has shown us when we were at our most unworthy, our most unsheep-like. And with this, we'll remember well. This is where I'd like to leave us. Jesus introduces himself not, as, not only as the shepherd. It's funny, that parable they didn't understand, so he made it even more confusing. He said, I am the gate. Did that clear it up for them? I don't know. 
I'm the shepherd. He says, I'm also the gate. Maybe, friends, it's enough for us to simply frequent this gate, to go in and out as the shepherd himself beckons. Any secure household has a door that can be locked, that can keep out threats and can give the occupants a place to rest. That's what Christ is. We pass in by faith. We pass in by humility. We pass out to wonder and to glory. Forever passing in and out of this gate who is Christ. We enter into repose. We go out to continue our work. We come in to feast and we go out to gather the wheat again. It's a perpetual work that we're caught up in now as sheep who share in the work of our shepherd. I want to say this. Don't think for a second that just because we've come into this church, we've entered the gate and our journey is over. (laughs) We've reached the end. We've reached the green pastures. Surely we are feasting on, on whatever God has made available to us. But in fact, this door is forever before us, which means we can always enter deeper again and again and again and again, even in this precise moment. Don't think that there's one room in this house and we've come there. Jesus says, there are many rooms in my Father's house. If there were not, I would have told you. Opening now before us, his sheep, is the door. We come to him knowing that we've not exhausted the fullness of the abundant life he offers us. The gate opens now before us and he's inviting us in this moment to be fed, to rest, and to experience something more of the sheer happiness of Easter.